Here we go. All right. Uh, do some technical. Uh, we're back. Uh, technical difficulties kind of delayed us, but nevertheless, we're gonna we're gonna go right in. We're gonna have a bit of an abbreviated um, show. Uh, but Kieran and I uh, both really, really were proud of this defense coming up big again, holding an Arizona offense that that um, that showed it had some had some had some poise to big plays, especially with the running back core. Uh, they gashed us just too many times in that first quarter. And I know for me, I, I wasn't pleased at all with, with how they played in that first quarter. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a sloppy first quarter that they can't afford to have that kind of quarter against a Utah team that's shown potential. I won't say, you know, that they, uh, that, that they've impressed me to any significant means, but um, they've shown the potential to be able to do some damage that, you know, having a slow start to a team like Arizona against a team like Utah this week would be super, super difficult. So, I mean, yeah. the good news is, you know, as we had talked about at the beginning of the season, um, you know, we knew that the defense was going to have to be what the buffs relied on, if anything, um, going into the season. And, you know, we had no idea what the offense was going to look like and that we were going to have the offense, you know, the kind of offensive firepower that we have, we've had. Um, however, you know, Nate Landman, Chris, well, uh, Chris Wells, Carson Wells, um, and uh, Mustafa Johnson. I mean, they've all been stepping up massively, you know, day, you know, game in and game out um, to really be able to be, you know, a source on which uh, the buffs can rely, I should yeah. say, um, when uh, the offense is struggling. And that's been a really, really promising sign. You know, I, what, what, no matter how the offense is playing, no matter how many intercept, you know, whether Sam Neuer's having a good game or whether he's throwing, you know, a couple of interceptions. We know that we can get the job done with a super, super staunch defense. And that's been an enormous, um, you know, like an enormous thing to be able to have to fall back on for the buffs um, going into this last game of the regular season. Yeah. Um, also a, a, another monster game for Broussard, 301 rushing yards. Deservingly, he won Pac-12 as offensive player of the week. Um, though I find it funny that he didn't get, he didn't get a single touchdown that game, uh, but complimentary football. We got to see a shot Clayton, uh, someone that me and you really hyped up before the season, get his first two touchdowns of the uh, of the year, which is really good to see. And it's good to see that that we predicted that this really deep running back core has the capabilities of gashing defenses and, and really being that center stone of that offense. Um, I think Neuer looked a little shaky again. Um, you know, he threw two picks, uh, the, the second of which really falls more on him. Um, they were driving in the red zone and that's a throw. He just he doesn't have, he just can't make, uh, especially in, in that part of the field. Um, but you know, it's, it, these are the type of things that you're expected to see for someone who is his first year, um, a first year quarterback. And, you know, this is only his, it's only his fourth game playing ever in college football. So it's okay to see, but it's it's really it, it's really um, it gives you a lot of confidence to see that this running back core has the ability to solely win games based off of their talent. That we have a receiving core that has the ability to you know back it up, kind of support this offense uh, a little more. Uh, and we, but we've seen Neuer play really well. We've seen Neuer play you know in that Arizona game pretty mediocre, uh, but it's good to see that we don't necessarily have to rely on his quarterback play to win games much like we did last year with Steven Montez. I agree. And I, you know, I think that um, it's tough because 
in this condensed season that for the Buffs has turned out to only be five games, right? Yeah. That we, we, we compare where the Buffs are at right now, five games into this regular season, or, you know, four games into this regular season going into their fifth game, like we would in a regular season, you know, in a traditional season, compare them going into their 10th, 11th, 12th game, right? So we're, I mean, they've got that much less experience and we're sort of holding them to that standard. And so I think that that's a little, you know, that's something that we sort of have to keep in mind as we're, you know, sort of running through this analysis, just because it is the kind of thing where they, they are significantly, you know, uh, you know, they, in a traditional season, this this young team would have significantly more games to continue to improve upon the the areas that they have shown that they have some potential. And so I think that it's definitely difficult for, um, you know, Sam Neuer and um, and and this and this younger offense to to meet those expectations. Um, but thanks to the you know staunch defensive play we've seen. Um, Broussard, uh, you know, having an absolutely ridiculous season and being able to get, you know, get the job done on the ground um, with the support of, uh, uh, you know, the rest of the running back core, like Jaron Manga, thing, you know, folks like that. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of thing that um, the, the the Buffs don't necessarily get it done. You know, the pre- I, I've been saying it's kind of all seasons. The Buffs don't necessarily get it done in the prettiest fashion, but they get it done in a fashion that works for them. And yeah. so the fact that they're playing, you know, continuing to play within themselves um, and that, Broussard, you know, as they were talking about in the broadcast on um, on Saturday night, could potentially, you know, run for a thousand yards this season in a condensed season. And like, you know, if you count you know, the, the upcoming game against Utah and a bull game, the yep. amount, I mean, he's been putting 100 plus yards up per game with, you know, as you mentioned, um, you know, this last Saturday, putting up 301 yards. I mean, the guy's got 700 plus yards already, and he's only got two more games to play. Great. It's possible that he could do that in a condensed season. So, I mean, and and that in a traditional season is something that we would applaud. So, yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit. I, I don't want to rush us off this uh, analysis of the Utah topic or the Arizona State topic, but I, I really like the next two topics. So, leading into that, um, we finally get the rivalry game that that we've talked about, um, which I think is really funny is that the roles were kind of reversed last year. Last year, this Colorado team was at that point, uh, five and uh, five and six, um, going into the Utah game last year and Utah was nationally ranked and they were looking at a possible stab at a PAC 12 title. Um, and this year, like the roles are reversed. Like they have the opportunity to play spoiler and, we have uh, we have the opportunity to put ourselves in a position um, for the pack for um, we need some help, but for some way to slither into that uh, Pac-12 title game. But I'm just really excited to finally get a you know at home game on Friday, nationally televised against Utah, a, a rivalry that that like we said that the Pac-12 really needs to start advertising more. Um, and this is a Utah team that has only played three games this year. Um, who has looked really good at times and really bad at times. And Kieran, I want to get your thoughts on, um, on this Utah team and, and if Colorado needs to change anything or are they looking good going into this game? You know, so I think I, so I totally agree that this Utah team has shown some of the firepower that we expected to potentially see out of Utah, especially, you know, after last year, um, you know, they, they had a, you know, one of the strongest teams in the PAC 12 and, um, you know, not playing those first couple of games of the season um, hurt them for sure. Uh, definitely put them a little bit out of whack in terms of where everybody else was compared to compared to them. Um, 
I would say that I don't think that the Buffs should change anything in terms of the their game plan from certainly from an offensive perspective. And, um, you know, obviously the defense is going to adapt to whatever they, you know, see on film this week um, and, and and sort of feel as though, um, you know, they need to adjust to. But I think that all season um, the Buffs strength has been the fact that they've or, 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 or the reason why buff, the Buffs have been squeezing out wins against Stanford and against Arizona in, you know, these, these games that weren't necessarily the prettiest or they had a quarter where they slipped up a little bit and they still managed to get the win was because they played within themselves. They didn't, you know, they weren't, you know, throwing a ton. Um, they mentioned it in the broadcast on Saturday, a team that's been really throwing the football a whole lot compared to a lot of their counterparts in the PAC 12. Yeah. Um, but that, 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 that's part of, that's part of what's been great, right? Because we know that Sam Neuer in his, you know, first, three, now four games at the quarterback position that throwing the ball downfield, you know, and keeping up with the pace of college football's play compared to, you know, when he last was playing, you know, starting quarterback back in high school, which was five years ago um, since he's a graduate student is, is a big, big adjustment. And so the fact that we've had these running backs that have stepped up and shown that they can, um, you know, really like secure the football and, and, and play um, just, really, really outstanding football and an offensive line that can open up a lot of holes for them. And then for us to be able to then rely on our defense to get some stops, get the ball back to the offense and, you know, sort of rinse and repeat. I think that that's just what the, you know, that's the game plan that they should stick to because if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. And so it, you know, this season it's been working all, it's been working all season thus far. And I think that they, you know, should do what they can to not manage to deviate from that. Yeah. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting on Friday. Um, like you said, they don't need to change anything. Um, if anything, I, I would like to see Neuer improve a little bit in that passing game just because if if for some reason this run game really doesn't get going, you know, that offense really then relies on Neuer's ability to, to throw the ball. And over the past two games in that San Diego State game and in the Arizona game, uh, he, it seemed like like – whether it's the play calling or his his decision making, that he he's kind of drifted away from the more conservative passing offense that we saw against UCLA and Stanford that worked really well and was super efficient for him. And he's, he's starting to take more shots, throwing balls deeper downfield. And it, it's just like like sure, you know, it, the interceptions are gonna are gonna come, um, but you're just not seeing that 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 higher completion percentage that we saw in the first two games. Um, I think it, it, you know, it, it takes away from this, this offense's ability to move the ball down the field and not solely rely on the running game to do that. Um, so if anything on Friday, I'd really like to see um, Neuer and, you know, Coach Chev call some, go back to that more conservative uh, passing offense, which just those simple 10 to 15 yard slants that, hey, you only get 10 yards, but you move the chains. You get a new set of downs. And then you complement that on a really strong run game, which I think we'll continue to do. Um, that, you just add another layer to the offense that Utah has to stop. And we've seen Utah, you know, be really defensive one half and then completely collapse against uh, Washington, per se. Um, so it, it's really about, you know, finding that groove and, and really playing complementary football between that run game and that passing game. But that passing game can only be good if they go back to that conservative passing offense. I mean, I, t I, I agree. So, I mean, we've talked about how we actually have a very talented wide receiver core, right? I mean, with – 
you know, with Levante Chenault and and uh, Brendan Rice, um, you know, two uh, first year uh, students that have managed to really make the adjustment quite well to college football, you know, from from high school this year and have really stepped up for the buffs and for uh, Sam Neuer um, have been has been awesome. But I mean, my favorite play on Saturday was the screen that they threw to Dimitri Stanley, which, you know, I, and I immediately texted you about it. I mean, it's like the three, the screen they threw to Dimitri Stanley, you know, and he got the block and then, you know, was able to curl up field and get downfield. It's a safe pass. It's a high percentage pass. And then they let Dimitri Stanley use his wheels to get up field and, you know, gain a bunch of yards. And so I think that that's exactly the kind of passing offense that you're referring to that, obviously is has, has been super, super successful for the buffs. And so it doesn't need to be, you know, super long streaks, you know, down the field or, you know, like crazy post routes or whatever. And having to then put that pressure on Sam Neuer to be able to put that, you know, football right, you know, in the breadbasket where it needs to be. And instead let him make a high percentage throw that has very, very little error for being, you know, to, to get messed up and let these wide receivers use their speed in order to then, you know, get down the field with some blocking yeah. after, you know, af- after the catch is already secured. And I think that that's, you know, that's worked out for them well thus far. And I think that if we can continue to kind of stick to that going into this Utah game, that the Buffs will be in good shape and that they'll be able to really do some damage to this Utah secondary. Yeah. A quick note right before we move on to our next, um, our next segment, Utah has allowed, obviously only through three, you know, three, four games, four games now, they played four games. Three games. No, three games. Three games. They've yeah. only allowed 104.7 average rushing yards per game. That, that this pass offense is going to need to show up on um, on Friday. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see. But now probably for the, the, the segment I'm most excited for this week is uh, – or this this show is, is who's the best. Um, so behind the scenes uh, look into the, the, the dashboards world, uh, there's been a, a, a bit of a – debate, if you want to call it, between the USC uh, dashboards hosts and literally everyone else. Um, and I guess you could say, like, since we're the only other undefeated team, we really have any place to say this. Um, but, Kieran, I- I'm going to pose the question to you after this. But, you know, who's the best? And I really don't think USC has any place to say they're the best. You, you can't say, yeah, look, we-, we, have- we have a loaded roster. Yes, you do. I can't argue that. There's no doubt you have the talent. But you can't say you're the best. And there's another undefeated Pac-12 South team in the same division who you haven't played yet, so you can't say you have the edge over them. You've played an opponent who have a combined, like, two or three wins. It's like, it's like what grounds you have to say that, A, you're better than us, B, you deserve to be ranked higher than us. And obviously, we have to wait to see what the college football playoff, um, <laughs> college football playoff uh, rankings come out, but you know you, you have no basis to say that you guys are bet. You guys are the best team in the Pac-12 until you have beaten us to say, "Hey, look, you're, we're undefeated. You're not. We're better than you." So uh, you know, I see that I see that our colleague Nathan Ackerman over at USC here has entered the chat. Um, you know, predictably, um, because me and Nathan got in quite the uh, Twitter spar over the weekend about. You know, how we compare these teams who weren't able to play a head-to-head matchup because USC, I'll note, was the team that, you know, uh, suffered uh, some, you know, like a, you know, some, a coronavirus, uh, you know, small coronavirus outbreak and was not able to play the Buffs um, two weeks ago. And so, so here's the deal, right? Is like, 
in order to decide who's going to go to the Pac-12 championship, it comes down to who has the best record. And let's assume that USC is able to beat the in-city rival at UCLA this weekend and that we're able to beat, you know, Utah. Mm-hmm. So then that puts us both at 5-0. and The next deciding factor then is AP rank. And USC, for God knows what reason, has been ranked in the AP top 25 all season and somehow moved up in the rankings after like so so they beat Washington State and you know handily and but it's just like it's 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 mine it's it's absolutely it's literally it's mind-numbing to me and so while the buffs were able to surpass Washington and Oregon now that Washington and Oregon both have losses and crack the top 25 at 21 USC's moved up to 16. So as of right now, USC would be the team that ends up going to the Pac-12 championship and playing for that championship. And by statistical measures across the board, including strength of schedule, but and you know, counting strength of schedule by opponent percentage, like the if you can you know, aggregated opponent win percentage for the buffs compared to the Trojans is high is it's 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 higher for the buffs, meaning the buffs have played teams that have won more games than USC. So for USC to be ranked higher simply because USC is traditionally one of the better teams in the Pac-12, but that's traditionally, historically, right? And because Keaton Slovis is one of the better quarterbacks or certainly has some of the most potential in the Pac-12, does not change the fact that statistically, they have not done any better than us. Statistically, they have done worse than us. But I, I want to I want to answer Nathan's question. He said, "So why do you think you're best? Why do you think why do you think you're the best?" I'm not saying Colorado is the best, but I'm I, I'm saying that you don't have any grounds to say you guys are better than Colorado. By no fact am I saying, "Hey, Colorado is the best team in the Pac-12." I, I I've never said that, and I will continue to deny that if anybody says so. But until you prove that you can beat us, sure, you can play. We'll play you in the Coliseum. I don't care. And if you beat us, I will back off, and I will give you all the respect you want to say, "Hey, you're the best team in the Pac-12." But until then, you don't have any grounds to put that on. Sure, you're undefeated against Colorado in the past, but those are past Colorado teams. You can't say that for this team. You can't say that for this Colorado team or this USC team. It, it, it's like I, I get what you're basing it off of, and there's no doubt that USC is a talented team, but so so is Colorado. You know, I, I will continue to repeat this. And he was picked second to last to finish in the Pac-12. I, I mean, I agree. So, I mean, it's like – our, and 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 one of the one of the main one of the main you know tiebreakers here is the fact that we're, we're you know both teams are four zero. USC's managed to play all in conference opponents. We because USC was not able to play played San Diego State. So because USC was not able to play, we played San Diego State. And so, San Diego State, while 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 a middle of the pack you know Mountain West team, I won't say that they're the best team in the Mountain West, and I won't say that they're you know so much better than than you know all, most of or all of you know Pac-12 teams. But it was a staunch defensive team that yeah. managed, but that we managed, but we managed to hold to no action, like no offensive points. The only touchdown they scored was a pick six on Sam Neuer, mm-hmm. and otherwise we ran the score up on them and. To to argue that oh like our opponents had games canceled so the win percentage and strength of schedule is not as good at, you know to answer you know Nathan's argument here it, it doesn't check out and and so while I'm not uh, you know to agree with Jason I'm not saying that you know 
one team is definitively better than the other by, you know, because obviously we weren't able to play head to head, but I'm saying historical precedent doesn't matter. Name brand doesn't matter. And you have to look at this objectively and to look at it objectively solely through the statistics. There's, there's no statistical measure that puts USC certainly above Colorado in terms of their success this season. I mean, going into USC's game on last night, due to um, Jarek Broussard's 300-plus yard game, Colorado, Jarek Broussard had more rushing yards in four games, personally, than USC had as a team. And USC didn't rush very well either last night. So, I mean, credit still goes to, I mean, you know, Keaton Slovis has played well. Um, you know, they're, you know, their wide receivers have played well. And they're certainly, you know, and a very, you know, offensively talented team. But they've not proven that they're better offensively than Colorado. And they have not proven that they're better defensively than Colorado. And, 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 and they have not played any opponent that is so much better that, it definitively puts them above. It should definitively put them above CU in the AP rank, and I, I I've got to believe that that just comes down to name brand or or you know historical precedent or or, or whatever. But there's I mean I, I don't know what can actually justify that from a numbers perspective. So so Nathan Nathan Ackerman said can't punish us for having an outbreak. CU so shouldn't have agreed to the tiebreak. This isn't our fault, and I'm not saying that the USC getting the outbreak was their fault. I, I, I don't. I wouldn't wish illness on anybody, no matter if if it's a rival. It we're you know we're playing in a crazy time, and you know the unpredictability of it. But and then to say CU shouldn't have agreed to the tie-breaking rules. This is back in 2010 when when CU joined the Pac-12. How do we know come 2020 that this that this 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 situation would present us? And, and I, I um Joe Clatt, who's a uh, college football commentator, absolutely love the guy. He played quarterback for Colorado, but that's beside the point. Uh, has some really good, uh, interesting commentary. This is kind of beside the point that that um, that pa- the Pac-12 should do away with the conferences, much like the or the divisions, much like the ACC did. Um, and you know, two best records. And you know, that's the same thing. Back back in the years when Oregon and Stanford were the two best teams, and only one of those teams got to go to the the Pac-12 title game. You know, in this type of season, you'd really love to see a a a undefeated Colorado versus an undefeated USC in a Pac-12 title game. And, you know, unfortunately, the, the Pac-12 was like, no, thanks, we're not going to do that. Um, but it, 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 it just sucks for CU. It sucks that that if we both went out, that CU gets the, the shorter end of the stick. Uh, but all that matters is that CU, that USC has no grounds to say they're better than us. Um, and I gotta, we got to wrap up the show just because – USC's after us, unfortunately. Um, but nevertheless, CU has to take care of business on Friday against Utah um, and set themselves up for, for a situation to arise. Um, but I know me and you uh, this upcoming Saturday are, are big, uh, big UCLA Bruin fans. Um, uh, nothing I would love more to see, uh, see them win and see us uh, get that slight little spot. Um, I'm not going to go DTR, in DTR's been rolling. DTR's been picking up. The Bruins have been I'm playing a, better. Like I said, like I said yesterday, I'm a, I was the hugest uh, Wazoo fan. And they kind of let me down, but I'm, I have a feeling UCLA won't let me down. Go DTR, go Bruins. Um, but with that, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up our uh, our Buffalo Dash uh, last one of the regular season. 
Like always, follow us on social medias, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Check out our YouTube channel at Dashboards TV. Our website is dashboards.tv. Um, I highly recommend you guys go watch the USC uh, one right after us because I'll be doing exactly what they're doing to us. Um, I'll be commenting and giving a lot of hot takes. Uh, but with that, hopefully we'll see you guys um, maybe not next week but sometime down in the future because uh, we'll most likely – get a bowl game, even if we do end up losing to Utah. Um, but with that, um, Scobus and go Bruins, baby.